Greetings and salutations. Hoping all is well with you and yours. This again is another episode of Fangs Up. And y'all gotta forgive me. My wife just blessed me right before she she knew she knew her brother was hungry and uh feeling a little under the weather. Uh hopefully you don't hear it in my voice, but that Rona got me. So hate to tell y'all the truth about Rona. She's not a sweet old girl. Uh not too terrible, but that COVID. She did get me. Uh, that being said, I've been quarantined. Wait for the wife and the kids for a little moment here. And uh, it's all good. And again, here I go. Y'all can see what happens when we don't get the backup camera and microphone turned off. There we go. All of a sudden, I appear on the side there. And that's just me listening to myself to make sure it's a quality product. Here we go. So, that being said, again, welcome to another episode of Fangs Up, y'all. And man, we got a good amount to talk about today. I actually had to cut some things out. I'm going to give a shout out to the volleyball team and the players who've been added to the volleyball team. We're going to highlight y'all really soon. Uh, maybe doing that the next episode, probably do that next week, just in case, so that I make sure I get all of y'all in there and so that y'all get a little bit of shine. But Today is SWAC Media Day. We're definitely going to talk about that. But before we talk about that, we're going to talk about FAMU's golf program and some recent changes that have taken place there and updates, if you want to call it updates. But we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the Mississippi Valley State football game. We're going to go inside the den. This is going to be our last time going inside the den as far as doing a football preview. And in this one, we're going to talk about the specialists highlight our kickers also going to mention that famu had an amazing kick returner last year so i'm gonna say that now just in case i forget to say it later because yeah that that dude was awesome and we're gonna do a little extra today in our extra we're gonna talk about the swag media day i mean it, it can't be swag media day and i not talk about it and i'm sorry judge judge your mama because she's a saint going to heaven but me i'm still struggling gluttony's gluttony's a sin and that plate that my wife brought over is right there to my left. And I'm trying not to be greedy and eat on TV. But I'm only one man trying the best that I can. That's all the tank you're going to get from me. Y'all already know I don't sing. I two-step and shoe up. And I got my other weakness to my right, Coca-Cola. A cold Coca-Cola. And my wife brought some brown stewed chicken. I don't even really eat that. When I go to the Jamaican restaurants, I, I like to get the uh, jerk chicken. But uh, yeah, they put their whole foot in that. Um, I'm about to see they want to sponsor, brother. See if I can get some free food. But uh, that being said, we're gonna start off by talking about FAMU golf and FAMU's golf coach is leaving. If you're like me and you're a FAMU, and I'm a bit frustrated, I'm a little annoyed, and it's partially because we lost a good coach, but we didn't lose him to Florida State, we didn't lose him to Florida, we didn't lose him to. Michigan, UNF, West Florida. We lost in the Prairie View. And that's not to speak ill or besmirch what Prairie View is, but that kind of shows us what we are in the conference as far as not being able to retain a coach. And so Coach Mike Rice is going to leave Florida A&M University for Prairie View. He was the head men's golf coach at FAMU, and he's going to leave FAMU to go to Prairie View to coach both men and women's golf. And so hopefully there's a little bump up in pay. I, I'm fairly certain there is. But 
one of my questions when I looked at it was why Prairie View? Why would you choose Prairie View over FAMU? Obviously, Prairie View is in a smaller city, but a larger metropolitan area. I mean, Prairie View is right next to Houston, north of Houston, not very far, but that metropolitan area is huge, hotbed for just anything. And you're in eastern Texas there, so it's a it's it's not a bad area to be in. But why Prairie View? Well, first and foremost, Prairie View is open in the pocketbook is what it looks like. I mean, I have nothing to confirm that, but I'm going to recklessly speculate that they opened up the pocketbook and family didn't. If you listen to ONG Strike Zone yesterday, give credit to those guys. They actually broke the story. I'm trying to give credit where credit is due. And uh, one of the things that is happening there is that the money is definitely been shown to be an issue. That was my cousin that called. I'm going to text him, tell him, call me back. Um, but that being the case, also facilities is an issue. Prairie View has a connection with an 18-hole golf course called Cypress Lake Golf Course, and it's open year-round. It's a gorgeous course, and it's not Gaither. And to be honest, I don't think family's got a connection with Gaither Golf Course like that. Not not to put something on our website to say this is the official golf course of Florida Indian University, which to me is, I don't know if it's sad, frustrating, or confusing that a golf course named after the neighborhood, uh, because there is that you know Gaither neighborhood right there, is not the home course of the Florida Indian University Rattlers. I mean, granted, I believe it's a nine-hole course, but still, it seems like while FSU does have their own golf course, fam, you should have at least some sort of affiliation with Gaither as being our home golf course where you can play a hot nine. Back, you know, you play it front ways, back ways, get 18 in. Why is that not the golf course for Florida Indian University? Maybe even Heilman. It's like if you're not if you're not familiar, Heilman is not very far. It's obviously not the second, it's not the closest golf course to FAMU. Uh Gaither's probably closest, followed by uh, the Country Club up there, which I ain't gonna lie, I'm from Tallahassee. I wouldn't, if I was family, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do business with them. Probably just, just being honest. Uh, but why, why wouldn't you choose one of those courses, especially a Highland? Highland would definitely look for a opportunity to have a university like that, especially FAMU, have a relationship with it that that's just me and mine i believe that's 18 whole course there and they've been trying to redo it they've tried to, they've been looking for opportunities there but you're starting to see where facilities and financing are becoming a problem as far as us retaining coaches and being able to i'm searching for the words here but move forward as a program it's it's obvious to me as a as a family graduate that we are missing something by not having the athletic director. And furthermore, when you look at some of the stuff that was said during SWAC media days, you kind of start wondering like, hmm, did we have to fire that dude? I mean, we might've had to, but I don't know. Seeing that there was a deal with HBCU Go going on. And then all of a sudden now the SWAC announces they're going to do a deal with HBCU Go. I'm going to say that for later, but we're going to, we lost a really good coach conference championship winning coach fam. You could have won the swag this year. Great recruiter. The guy is from Florida. He's from a popka, literally 
I I could ride my bike to Apopka. Lake Apopka is in viewing distance from my residence as far as like in certain parts of the area. It's he's a Florida guy, Florida boy, FAMU graduate, and you can't retain him. That that's that's problematic. That's that is frustrating that you can't keep a FAMU in. And it's not a FAMU in that you can't keep because nobody else wants them. It's a FAMU in that you can't keep that other people want that's winning that's to me is the problem that's the difference that's where i struggle because too often we've kept families who aren't winning they, they had a family on their degree and checked them in they're good to go this was a family that had the family on his degree that also had titles who had the prestige who's a family a uh alumni that is also a member of the family hall of fame that should have been kept it's just it's a slap in the face to the alumni that we don't keep this individual and furthermore it's problematic because the question is what happens to your other coaches because your ability to keep a part keep a person like coach simmons comes in question like he's not a famu grad he has very deep ties to famu wife's a famu grad local guy local area you're gonna do him the same way he's winning he's flipped the program that program was in disarray when he got there because the uncomfortable truth is famu was recruiting three and four star talent let's let's break up the myth i worked as a teacher i worked as a college career specialist i dealt with high school recruits and i've seen coaches be like you're not going to get that kid Tell the FAMU coaches, you're not going to get that kid. This is before Willie Simmons. So it's a lie to say we never recruited three and four-star talent. We may not have been efficient doing it, but we recruited them. We didn't get a lot of them. And especially when we were losing during the previous administration, we'd recruit those kids, but we didn't get them. And we weren't going to get them. At a certain point, it was a waste of your time. There's a certain point where as a realist and a person that's honest about your fandom and just things in general you have to be relate to the children on a level that surface and treat this like it's a job if i'm working at mcdonald's and you're paying me 11 dollars an hour that's good that's fine but if i can go look and i see across the street that 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 popeyes is off me 15 to do the same level of work guess what I'm going to love that chicken from Popeye's. And that's what's happening, y'all. Like, we have to stop expecting these kids to do something and adults to do something we wouldn't do in our own personal life. I'm not going to take a pay cut for the heck of it just because of loyalty. Because at a certain point, I do have a wife. I have kids. I have aspirations and places that I want to be fiscally, also that I want to be socially, that are tied to my ability to provide for myself, my family, and others. And this is a case where we lost a very good coach, more than likely for salary reasons, reasons that we could have probably fixed. And the relation that if you, again, I, I'm, y'all, if, you, if you're not familiar, I do talk to some of the guys from ONG. So we, we, we converse. It's, it's not a competition. We're family. Like we have similar ideas, but you got to extend or create more avenues for us to generate revenue for athletics it has to happen the athletic budget has to increase and 
some of that is being addressed through enrollment. The housing issue is directly going to benefit the university and athletics program further down the line because that's more money that's going to come in, more student fees, more this and that. The things that we're complaining about, about enrollment and the numbers being low are being addressed. I got to give Larry Robinson that. I, I can't, I can't, I can't beat up on somebody and not praise them when they're doing something right. We, we oftentimes say, hey, he ain't doing this right. He ain't doing that right. He's not in the athletics. He may not be. That may not be as bad. But one thing that is being heard is the concerns that our enrollment's low. Now the enrollment has increased. Now, were we prepared for it? Absolutely not. Were there avenues that could have been changed to address it? Absolutely. But with the increase of enrollment, you're going to see the increase in student fees and some of those student fees directly go and benefit the athletic program. So you're going to see that in the next two to three years, Florida Indian University is going to be able to better support and better provide for its athletic program and better invest into its athletic program. And within a five to 10 year period, if we continue to increase our enrollment, you're going to be able to see where hopefully this type of foolishness doesn't happen where we lose coaches to our rivals within the Southwestern Athletic Conference, especially rivals that are being very well supported from what I'm hearing as far as Prairie, Prairie View goes. So that's all I'm going to give you on the golf take right now. Congratulations to Coach, though. I'm not salty. I'm happy for you. I am salty that we didn't do better. But I did mention FAMU facilities are doing a little something, and we are seeing some upgrades in there. It's not all doom and gloom on the highest of seven hills. And we are seeing that the volleyball team has been wrecking shop. I'm just, I don't know a nice way else of saying it. And a lot of the things that were initiated during the previous administration are coming to fruition. And shout out to our AD Keith. You're doing a great job. And I love your first name, man. He's got the best first name ever. It's just saying. And he's a cool dude. I'm not going to lie. But this is. Lawson Center. So FAMU's Lawson Center, if you haven't seen, uh, this is Jacob Feliciano. He works for Florida Indian University, and he shared via Twitter, thank you so much for sharing some of the updates that are taking place at the university. This is the floor being sanded, redone, and you can see the impressive facility that Lawson is. I, I might have said Gaither. I, I went to FAMU when we were still in Gaither and when we transitioned to Lawson. So it's a Freudian slip. I grew up going to games at Gaither, uh, but I would love to see some ribbon boards up here. I'm not going to lie. If we could get some ribbon boards right there, that would add a certain je ne sais quoi to the family basketball experience. But these are on social media. I'm not sharing you anything that hasn't been shared publicly. Y'all know I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't share people's public information like that um, or private information. But you can see they're going to be showing, see this is why I loaded it earlier, the progression of the basketball court and you're able to see that they completely sanded it they took it down to the bare bones then they brought it back up you see the new finish there and the old floor i believe it might have had a miak logo in some of the pictures it has a miak logo but you can see the outline is a little different the orange is it's very seen but the green is a little darker y'all know if you're fam you and like me fam you orange and green changes like 17 times it's it's never consistent it's a problem um and then you can see the finished product is the floor and we have the lebron logo on there you can see that down here in the corner i believe there also the nike logo the swack southwestern athletic conference logo and you can see the snake skin print on the paint there so 
uh, kudos and congratulations to all those that were affiliated with that and that were associated with that project. Y'all see, look, I'm techie. I, y'all know I like to play with stuff. I'm going to figure out how to get this intro going So, And soon doesn't mean tomorrow. Uh, but as y'all can see, the Lawson Center does look nice. It looks greatly improved. And again, I want the ribbon board. So if you go back and look, go back there and look at the pictures. I want a ribbon board, something where we can just do something and sell some additional advertising. Because, yeah, some of the advertisement business. I was in college. <laughs> but it looks like supposedly we also got a new uh, center board. It actually, for a while, Lawson Center was the largest basketball arena in Tallahassee. Some people don't recognize that. And meaning that it was the largest I think the largest basketball arena in, in Northwest Florida. And between me and you, Lawson Center may be the third largest in North Florida. I, th I think FSU is first, maybe second at the Tucker Center. Then obviously Jacksonville Veterans Memorial Arena is right there as well. And then the Lawson Center is right after. And when I'm saying right after, each one of those, I think the Tucker Center is at 10,000 Memorial is at 10,000 and the Lawson Center, Center is at 9,000 something. So it's it's really close. It's a really nice facility. Very accessible. If you were to look at the picture again, that top level is actually the entrance level. So it's very easily uh wheelchair accessible, ADA accessible, all those kind of things. But what brings the butts to the seats is football and the Mississippi Valley State preview. I had to kind of go back and rewatch uh, the quick version of that game because my God, that game was hard to watch. Like the best part of that game was the announcers. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I'm just be honest. If if you're gonna rewatch that game, don't watch the kind of like 30 minute version where the guys like telling you like, yeah, I gotta watch the fan. You good? So they told me it's so good. Don't watch that one. You gotta watch the Mississippi Valley State game because the announcers made it. Like <laughs> it is like watching football with your favorite uncle and his homeboy. And they just talking trash. Like it was so much fun to watch from that perspective. But as a fan, it was it was madly frustrating. But this year's game is on October 1st, meaning that it's just gonna start cooling off in Tallahassee. If you're not familiar, the summer in Florida, especially North Florida, pretty much runs through most of it September. I get it, it's not the summer, but you walk outside and tell God that it's summer. Uh -huh. Now here further south, the summer doesn't end to almost the end of August nearly. Uh, but in Tallahassee, it's going to start cooling off. And that's going to be the game where you're going to want to wear a jacket, bring a light sweater or something, because it's a six o'clock kick, meaning at the beginning of the game, it's going to be like 80 degrees. By the third, fourth quarter, it might be 70 degrees. And if you get a breeze, a nice little breeze, breast <laughs> that is downright uncomfortable to people from florida because we're not used to it and you it is probably going to be somewhat humid and the humidity is going to change as well so i'm uh, just going to say i'm not looking at the almanac i'm just from tallahassee born and bred and i'm gonna tell you about this weather carry you a bag and have a little jacket like you know windbreaker as my mama would say uh, but last year valley was four and seven <clears throat> excuse me and they average 19 and a half points per game. They run kind of a balanced offense from the shotgun. They like to run the ball, though. They do like to run the ball. They're featuring their running backs. But they had a tough defense last year. And in last year's game, what made the game so hard to watch was we dropped a lot of passes. And we, we looked a lot more like Florida State than we did FAMU. 
No disrespect to Florida State, but them receivers last year, it was it was a struggle. Told y'all I'm FAMUing, but I love Florida State as well. But this is a come from behind victory. And FAMU led for most of the game. At one point, it was 17 to nothing. And Valley storms back. Uh, FAMU gets up there. It was, uh, what, 21, something like that. And then Valley takes the lead, 24. And it's like, oh, crap, here we go. We about to lose to Mississippi Valley State. Yeah, you know, what? I ain't going to say what I was going to say, but I darn near curse Because you could tell we were just sleepwalking in the game. And Valley came to play. Valley was not horsing around. They weren't jacking around. They weren't being goofy or any other foolishness. I am uh, sorry. I'm looking for a tissue or something. Uh, but they were with it. And y'all got to excuse me for a minute. I told y'all the COVID. She got me. Let's see if I can find the microphone to pause it. I don't, I don't want y'all to hear this. <laughs> All right, I'm on mute. I could not let y'all hear that. It wasn't that bad, but it still did sound like good radio uh, or television. But last year's game was a tough watch, and FAMU comes back from behind. We had a lot of turnovers. We lost a turnover battle, to me, a lot. We had two turnovers uh, that I was able to remember, and we we honestly, in all intents and purposes, could have lost that game. That was one of those games where you go back and you watch it, and you're definitely, if you're a Valley fan, you're going to say we should have won that game. I'm just I'm just going to be, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I, I haven't lied to you yet. I'm not going to start to you now. Uh, but Valley should have won that game. That that was not FAMU's best game. It was a little sloppy. Bishop Bonnet, amen. Hopefully you paid your tithes and offering. Because Bishop Bonnet saved us uh, a couple times. And with some big runs, him and the offensive line did the yeoman's work of really helping us out and making some big things happen. It just was one of those games where we just never kind of got in the groove. And I think this is the game that solidifies what Coach Simmons was talking about today. A little bit is his shift in mindset as far as, yeah, we need to run the ball a little more. I need to make sure that run game is tight because I can't have that happen. And I, I think this year's game is going to be different. I think this year's game is going to be a mud stomping. Uh, I think it's going to be it, – it's, it's either one of two ways. Either we stomp the heck out of Valley or it's close, darn near an upset because the atmosphere is going to be different. That That game was tough to watch for two reasons. One, the announcers. The announcers made it tough to watch because you're so busy laughing at the game. You're so busy just if you're you're so used to other announcers and you get them and they're their authentic selves and they're just hilarious and they're good announcers. But if you're just used to a Gene Deckerhoff or whatever, whatever, Keith Miles for those old heads like me, it wasn't that. It was your uncles talking about the football game. And it was just I was in stitches, but they also, the other part that was tough was the, the attendance. I believe the attendance reported the Valley's website checked when I was doing my statistical information was 2000. Yeah. 2000 people watching a game in a stadium that seats like between 10 and 20. 
I don't remember how large Rice Totten is. I've been there before. Uh, it's not an easy place to get to. So there's a lot. Like, Valley's a tough place to play. Like, people joking, kid, about the mosquitoes. The mosquitoes ain't no MF and joke. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been up there, uh, and it wasn't even for poops and giggles. I've gone up there t- two, three times in that area, and it's not easy to get to. Valley, you, you cannot fly there. You fly to Jackson, then you drive over there by Indianola. And look, see, look, if you're from Mississippi, you already like, oh, yeah, he know what he's talking about. Yeah, 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 I've been there. Uh, you over there by Indianola, and they had, I don't know if they still got the, they had a, they had a, uh, freaking grocery store there that was like harvey's on crack man that place oh my gosh uh piggly wiggly sorry oh talk about fried catfish every place in there is fried catfish too it's just oh it's a fat person's dream but it's not easy to get to it's not there's not a lot of places to stay like i believe i was in greenwood uh indianola there and it's just the people are so nice though. When I tell you the people in the Delta are some of the most beautiful people I'm talking about hospitable, like just so loving, so friendly. And for me, I came in as a stranger, like I'm from Florida. I ain't from here, but we're so nice. So good to me and my experience there. Um, And I wasn't there for football sports purposes. So I can't speak about the fan atmosphere, but I can tell you about my experience in the Mississippi Delta was amazing. They took care of me and, the people that I was with uh, every time I've gone and I, I've never gone home hungry. They told, they made sure I got home and everything else, but that's a tough place to play because the mosquitoes are no joke, but also the ride there is no joke. I, when I went, I took the 49. I took the, I remember uh, my, my daughter's got grandfather, God rest his soul told me to take the 49 until you hit I 10. I was like, okay. Before GPS was really popping like that, he was right. I took 49, caught 10, rode on home. And, uh, but yeah, not to go into that area because, but he, he meant a lot to me. He's a good dude, but very nice people, but a very tough place to play. Bringing them to brag is going to be something because they have to make part of that ride in reverse. They have to fly, drive, sorry, probably ride a bus to Jackson. And then fly to Tallahassee. Now, great, granted, once I get in Tallahassee, it's nothing but smooth sailing. Sorry, Scotty, I, I'm, I'm gonna steal that today. But it's it's once you're there, it's there. But it's the atmosphere. They're gonna get off that bus and they're gonna see something that honestly they're probably kind of used to. Like as far as outside of their home games, they're used to seeing that because they play Jackson State. They play, I believe they play Alcorn. I could be misspeaking, but I'm almost certain they play Alcorn. They play teams that are going to have pretty good home game atmospheres. They're, they're going to be somewhat used to that. And that's going to be a benefit that FAMU is going to be able to utilize if we can get above 18,000. If we can get 18,000 in for that game, it's a home field advantage. If it's 15, it's like a high school game for those cats. And that's an advantage that Valley would have because they'd be so used to being on the road. We have to make sure we show up to this game. If we show up to this game, and I'm going to check my time and talk to that, that trip to the Delta brought me back, uh, brought back fond memories. I think FAMU wins this game 42-17. I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep it there. So I think FAMU wins. I think it's a blowout kind of late. 
just because I think just the atmosphere. You got the hundred there. The hundred did not go to Mississippi, and I don't blame them. Uh, but that trip to Tallahassee for Valley is it's a good little ride because you, you're talking about about an hour hour ride just to go to Jackson. Then probably what about a two three hour flight to Tallahassee because uh, it's a six or eight hour drive. I'm trying to remember. I hadn't made that ride in over probably 12, 15 years, but it's not it's not the easiest place to get to as far as driving wise. Now, special teams. Let's talk about two guys you need to talk about. And I'm gonna give you the obvious. Chris Fadul. If you listen to Willie Simmons talk at all, he's going to shout Chris Fadul out. Chris Fadul, I believe he got hurt last year, actually. Uh really good kicker though. Uh he 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 punked us on April Fools like he was gonna transfer. I'm like, bro, don't play. Don't don't be playing like that. Like, don't don't play with my emotions because you're a good kicker. Uh, and Family had another good kicker from Leon. That's my dad's school. Uh, but also Jose Rome, Romo Martinez. And he's also another good kicker, place kicker. I believe he also um, – I believe he punts as well as place kick for us at times last year. FAMU's kick return team as well. Shout out to the kick return team. I believe second in the SWAC, second team all-conference, I want to say. I could be misspeaking, but Famous kick return game is good. The only reason we didn't get first team was because Jackson State got that transfer from Florida State. They got a lot of transfer from Florida State, but oh, a lot of transfer from Florida. It's sickening. Yeah, uh, but they that guy was good. I'm not gonna lie, I believe it was Bolden. Could, could be wrong, but yeah, Famous kick return game probably the second best in the SWAC. Um, maybe the best, depending on how you feel about it. But I, I, I try not to be. Overly biased. I tell y'all when I am biased. This ain't a time when I'm biased. But family's kicking game is solid. Uh, if we make a field goal in that Orange Blossom Classic, we win that game. But that's not all the kicker's fault. If you did listen to just – it did not rain the whole game. It didn't rain the whole game. But right before the game, it rained. And it rained for, like, the whole first half pretty much. And thankfully, I had box seats. I ain't going to lie to you. We sat in the end zone. I had never been to Hard Rock Stadium, so I'm like, I'm sitting in the boxes. Play, play with, play with somebody else. Go do something safe, like go play in traffic. That's what my mentee says. So I sat in the boxes, and I was like, my cousin and I, we, we, we were over there, bomb, fist bumping each other because it did not rain on us, <laughs> and uh, we had the outdoor box, but it was nice. And then we, the area of the city was nice, but yeah. So our kicking team was pretty solid. Famous had a solid kicking team. Really, since I can remember, I, I cannot think of a bad kicker that FAMU has had. I mean, heck, you can go all the way back to Damon Miller, the local product from FAMU, DRS, uh, Juan Toro, uh, Vertuno. Uh, FAMU's had really good kickers for a very long time. So, uh, heck, we got some kickers at, you know, NFL, Hall of Fame level. Anyways, not I'm not going to pay any day. So those are the guys from special teams you need to look out for. And that's the end of our uh, preseason as far as talking about the players to look out for. Other stuff comes up. We're going to talk about it. But we, we I think we kind of did a really good job. We're going to do a – I'll probably do a recap, highlight a dude each position just to remind y'all who they are and give them some extra attention. I may not have Jerry Jones looking at me, but his friend Larry may look and tell him about one of our players. Um, thought that was lightning. That's why I looked over in the corner. I'm from Florida, y'all. I'm playing about this lightning. Now, extra, extra, extra. 
the swag needs to get serious about a network. If you have been in some of the spaces on Twitter, especially in the HBCU universe, it's been pretty fun. I've been able to, because of this, I've really been able to delve into black Twitter more than I did before. And it's not because I didn't delve in black Twitter. It's because I didn't do a lot on Twitter. I used it for like the news kind of quick in and out, boom, bam, bye. But once Twitter added the spaces and I took over the FQ family Twitter page, I was able to kind of cover more and start learning more and hearing more and getting some experiences from other groups. And one of the things that I love is being able to be in the spaces and talk to some of the content creators and listen to some of them. I'll be honest with y'all. I listen to Scotty. I like off script. I don't, I don't love everything he says. I don't agree with everything he says, but that's human. Like that doesn't mean I I don't, I don't tune in for the guy or cheer for him. Like I I cheer for Scotty. Like I want him to do well. I was, I was just like the rest of y'all or that were when he was on sec media days, posting cheering them on like all right scotty go do your thing scotty yeah like i want to see black people excel i'm not a hater so i don't get mad when jackson state gets a kid i get annoyed when they're from florida but i'm happy for them i'm happy when they're saying that program could have generated about 185 million dollars in advertising funds because that means i think now fam you can do something that gives me hope and I feel like one of the things the Slack is missing, they need a television network. We do. And I feel like being in this space allows us to be honest about that. The Slack's missing money on that. And one of the things I appreciated was I did watch Slack Media Days. I didn't watch all of it. I watched the beginning and I caught the end. I told y'all this COVID. I've been taking medicine. So, um, so I caught the last couple schools. And I stopped at FAMU. So I watched the Cookman section, session FAMU. And I stopped at Grambling. I'm going to go back and watch the rest of it. But I watched the commissioner of the SWAC go up there and speak his piece. And some of the things he, he did kind of take, I don't want to say targeted shots. He addressed questions that have been answered in the, that have been asked in the spaces and that have been spoken about on different shows. I will give him that. I, I feel I feel like Dr. McClellan does listen to those that are out there. And that is per, part of why, personally, I'm careful about some of my critiques. Because some things I'll say on wax, other things I'll say in confidence. I don't have any crazy critiques of the guy. Because I haven't been around the swag that long. Grew up in the MEAC, FAMU, and all my life. But FAMU... And the SWAC need to be on television more often. We need a television contract that allows the conference to generate enough revenue to where it continues to be soluble. And one of the things that I was able to take away from SWAC Media Days for today, and the SWAC has a large market. We we all know this. Uh, Pretty much you're going from Texas to Florida, Georgia, Alabama, uh, and Mississippi as well. Even though Georgia's not really in the SWAC footprint, it is because of the alumni base. The SWAC is doing itself a disservice by not having a network, is my personal opinion. And one of the things that Dr. McClellan mentioned at the SWAC Media Days was the conference has been in working in the Black, which is, that's great. In the past, he mentioned they were working at a deficit. 
I believe it was a two to four million dollar deficit. And I, I gave that range because I don't remember off the top of my head. And this year, the SWAC is going to be in the top two as far as FCS budgets as, as a conference. That's a great thing. And one of the things that he also stated was that the SWAC expects to spend more money than all FCF, FCS conferences in two years. Again, go back and fact check me. I literally just sat there and rewound and played this back and back on the, honestly, on my TV and watch the SWAC Media Days. If you have not seen it, it's on ESPN3. Soon as it was over, you could replay it. Also, funds were distributed to each member of school. That's a game changer. Also, by 2030, he expects to pull in more revenue than three FBS conferences. That was lightning. Uh, <laughs> so that's telling you some of these lower-level conferences that may be pursuing the historical black colleges and universities may not have a leg to stand on because the Southwestern Athletic Conference is trying to put itself in a position to where it's paying more than those conferences, especially the smaller ones. I don't know which smaller ones they are because he did not give names, but I do speculate. I would say the Mid-American Conference is probably one of them, just to throw them out there. Uh, But that being stated, and I'm going to hurry up because it is trying to lighten and is moving this direction. But he did mention there are new events and activities that they are bringing to the Southwestern Athletic Conference, which I think lends itself to the idea that the conference is going to create its own network. I'm pretty certain just from listening to what he was saying, they're working out something. He stated they're working out something with HBCU Go. He, he stated that. That's not something you can argue. He said that on wax. He Go back. It's the first 20 minutes is where Dr. McClellan's up there talking and telling you everything that Swax trying to do. Uh, but he also stated that they're going to have a bigger emphasis on the band, which is something that was mentioned in the spaces. Again, I give credit where credit is due. Scotty was one of the people that mentioned that, that that should happen. The conference should highlight its bands. I completely agree. I don't agree that the band should play while the teams are on the field quite as much. But if you grew up going to FAMU games, especially when we played Southern, that bleepity bleep band We'll sit up there and play defense, Jags defense, and have the tubas playing, and the fans would really get into it. And it it added to the atmosphere. And when you were in Baton Rouge, it was a problem. Playing Southern away from that stadium in Baton Rouge is completely different than playing them on the road. I've, I've watched Southern in Birmingham against FAMU. I've watched Southern in Atlanta against FAMU. I've watched them in Tallahassee. And I've been to Baton Rouge. If you've never been to A.W. Mumford Stadium, it ain't the same. It's a complete difference. And I went before it was renovated. So I can only imagine if that place is packed and renovated, it's going to be a problem. Um, Hopefully next year, I'll try to make that game. I ain't going to lie. The way these gas prices are looking, I might stay home and watch it on TV. Uh, But that being said, the bands are going to be highlighted. So that's something that they're going to be having more exposure for the bands. And Pepsi's already shown that. You have a Pepsi commercial where it's a marching 100 and a sonic boom in the South. That's definitely going to be played at the Orange Blossom Classic. But I need the human jukebox in there too because those are probably your top three bands. And the sound of Dynamite, Alcorn's got a good band. We just don't hear a lot about them because we're not Alcornites. I mean, but the bands are going to be featured more. Also, the cheerleading is going to be featured more. That comes on the ends of FAMU finishing very well 
and cheerleading competition and family having a really good cheerleading program, not to mention the SWAC champions in volleyball. I'm petty. Oh, I'm petty. Uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm say that all season. And we just brought in a haul. We're going to talk about that in the next episode, maybe next week. But we might do it on Sunday. Talk about the SWAC champion family volleyball team. Uh, and it's major acquisitions. Uh, but he talked about HBCU Go. And one of the things he stated was that they're working on an agreement with the network. And it's going to likely boost revenue for the conference. And to me, this screams that the SWAC is about to get its own television network. And now the question is, how does partnering this network work with ESPN and other outlets? Because if this turns into something that is beneficial to the universe, to the universities and the conference in the way that I would see fit, I think it could be a, a significant financial windfall and we could see a true resurgence in black college sports. I think what we're seeing now is people coming back. Like, and it's not just people. Like, you're seeing recruits that are transferring back. And part of that is the glut of talent that is out there because of COVID. Like, let's be honest. We have students that got an extra year of eligibility. So all of a sudden, some of these teams can't fill. They have a glut of talent. They have to get rid of some of the players that they can't fill space for. And now some of that is benefiting the historical black colleges and the schools in the FCS. It's not all just the the shift that's that's negligent at the least and irresponsible at the most to just blame it on the shift that's a lot of it because there is a cultural shift students are trying to come back to hbcus but covid's got a part to play in there and the reduction of the how scholarships were affected and stuff like that the advent of the transfer portal is also related to it so mm, but one of the things the conference needs to do in this building of a network is also look at expansion, which he talked about and he pretty much made it clear. We're going to stay within driving distance. So Delaware state's not coming to the SWAC. I don't know how to say that. Tennessee state. If you decide, do you want to get your game, your act right? You'll be here. I think your fans would love it. I think you make a lot of money. If Tuskegee decides to move up, I think they're in the SWAC. It's not an easy place to get to, but I think they're in the swag. I'm just going to be honest. Like, so, but it was made abundantly clear. If expansion happens, it's going to be within some relevance of the geographic footprint. And it's going to be with the full consideration that all sports are not revenue producing. That was his thing. Financial stability is his thing. He is a financial guy. You can tell. He keeps things close to the vest. Yeah, he takes his shots when he does, but that's what they're looking at. And one of the things that they're saying, and he's pointing out, is that we're going to grow and expand into media. A lot of us are saying this up front, that honestly, I do think the SWAC is missing money. I think the SWAC could easily probably land a contract where they could at least get $12 million, but I think $24 million is not off the table. That would be $2 million per school. Think about the impact that that has just within the conference. And think what that has for teams that are not in the conference. Well, if you're getting 24 now, what happens if you add a Tennessee State? You add that that market. What happens if you add one of the schools from the AU Center? You, add the, you officially add the Atlanta market. 
as far as like you're playing there. You're not just having your classics there. You're actually playing there on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis. All of a sudden, you start drawing and pulling the attention of others to the conference. So I, I think the SWAC is media missing out by not having a television, a dedicated television network that could bring in at the very least 500,000 in school. I mean, that's not that's not a lot of money. That's not anything to talk about as far as on the collegiate level. But one of my favorite lines I was told, and I learned it as an adult, you can't go broke taking a profit. If you had a, a dedicated network that was generating additional revenue, you are supporting even the smallest of your schools and the schools that are difficult to get to and the schools that are doing what I think is revolutionary. I, I commend Valley. If you've not seen recently, they're starting to branch out to, hey, we can educate these prisoners and other people. They're finding new ways to make money. And I think that's the name of the game. Within the Southwestern Athletic Conference, we have to, and I, where are we now? Because FAMU's here. This shirt that I got is old. This is from the Super Bowl. One of the times FAMU went, I think this is the Super Bowl with Prince. But we have to get to the understanding that we have to move as a, as a collective. And as the, if the conference moves as a collective, and generates additional revenue, then all of a sudden, as Dr. McClellan mentioned, that additional re revenue is going to start helping, not just helping the other schools, but it's going to start rolling over. I don't believe in trickle-down economics. It ain't trickle-down economics. It's more so the idea of passive income. And he's trying to generate ideas and ways for universities to create passive income, if you think about it like that, where they're creating money off of when they're not really working as hard because now you've generated revenue, you've drawn attention, you've drawn eyes. And if you have a network, especially a network that you could put on Roku, because Roku has free channels, maybe TiVo. I don't know if TiVo is still a thing, but uh, I forget the name of the channel, but one of those free networks, any of those channels that are the free networks, go to the one of them and say, Hey, Here's my SWAT content. Guess what? The ACC is on there. SEC is on there. They're on the free networks. You can literally get SEC network and ACC network for free. Pluto. There we go. Pluto, like the Toshiba has a free channel. Like all these different companies have free channels. The Big Sky has a network and it's trash. But I've watched it. And I'm like, I can't watch this game. I'm turning it. Put put the HBCU experience out there. Put it on some of these free networks and some of these outlets and that are already existing. You can use a lot of the technology you already have. Use some of your resources that you already have. FAMU has a school of journalism. Every school that has a journalism program, start reaching out. Okay, hey, all HBCUs with journalism program, we're going to pull from you. Journalism communications. Start pulling your talent pool. Use those resources and start creating the wealth of data that you need to create a network pull the old media see what media rights you can get because a lot of old famu and bcu and a lot of these games are on youtube get these old tapes create a collective show old show the old battles of the bands have a 30 minute show battle of the bands the halftime show from the 2003 circle city classic right stuff like that it seems stupid, but we consume it all the time. 
half of what we watch on YouTube as far as band culture is old band performances. It's almost never live. The FAMU band camp, I'm pretty sure it's in the thousands of views already. Like those kind of things create shows that are generated around that, around the bands, around the cheerleading. Get a show kind of like a College Hill, maybe not a College Hill, and start using the shows that you already have and the resources that you have to go ahead and create television and content. And I think that's where the swag's missing. I think that's what we're missing now because we don't have it. But I think once we develop it, I think if Dr. McClellan were watching, and if if I get to see him, hopefully I'll be at Swag Media Days next year. I'll ask him about that. Like, hey, can we do this? Because that to me is is money. And it's not money from you just being on TV. It's money from advertisers. And you already have a connection with Cricket. You already have a connection with Pepsi. You already have a connection with Nike at most schools. Probably going to be and Jordan at one. So all of a sudden, you can start pulling these companies in because black people consume. We consume. Like, let's be real about it. We consume a lot of Nike products. We like name brand stuff. Like, we may shop at Walmart for certain things, but we like name brand stuff. We like nice things. Just it's cultural. You know, you, I, I could dress better than you, all that. I can't. I'm not. A, I don't care about all that looking cute crap. It, I, I'd rather be efficient than cute. But that's where your market is. And I think within the SWAC, and I, I'm running along here, I'm going to shut it down soon. The SWAC as a, net, as a conference has to develop this network and a network that's going to also allow your content creators to come out there. I'm a vouch from a guy. I think Scotty should have a show on the SWAC network. I think Dr. Cavill should have a show. Like those are two personalities that you would do well to have out there. We look to Dr. Cavill because of his resource and his research capabilities and his experience. And with Scotty, because he's entertaining. Like, honestly, he he's he's our generation of Jim Rome. He really is. Respectfully. And so I think you need to bring those people in because you see what Paul Feinbaum was. I don't like Paul Feinbaum that much as far as like to watch his show, but he's good at it. And when it's just him talking, I'm a Florida State fan. I'm not, I'm not going to agree with a lot of what he says, but when it's about Florida State, but when he's talking about other schools and it's not just him and he's not talking to his fans, he's pretty good. So uh, just my ideas, y'all. So sorry the show ran long, y'all. I normally try not to let the pod run this long, but we hit a lot of topics. That's why I cut out the volleyball segment. But we're going to highlight the volleyball players in the next show. And also, if you're looking at the FQ FAMU Twitter page, we have our first sponsor up there. So, yeah, that is not just an ad that you were seeing. We do have something there with Underdog. They are a fantasy sports provider. And they're giving you the chance to be able to play fantasy sports put a little bit of something something on it and if you win you get something if you lose you don't you kind of know what it is <laughs> but as always y'all thank y'all to hcu digital and thank you also to the people at fq uh universe in general but fq um sports fq fam you which is me and thank you to the wife the kids and the family and thank you to you as always y'all it's going to be fangs up And I seriously appreciate you taking the time.